Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcasts are presented by Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. Be sure to check out Yahoo this Sunday for another million dollar baller contest for week 17. This is a $20 entry, 10 entry max tournament, and once again, Yahoo is guaranteeing a quarter million in overlay for this contest. It's the best value in all of DFS, so be sure to check them out this Sunday and use promo code GRINDERS30 for a $30 matching bonus on that first deposit. If you are playing DFS this week 17, give them a look. That's Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. What is going on? How's everybody doing? It is time for the week 17 version. We've made it, guys. We have finally made it. The week 17 version of the Roto World Roto Grinders DFS Pick Six. I'm Eric Cranon. As I have been done with every, every single week, I'm joined by Evan Silva, Rich Rebar. Evan, how are we doing, buddy? Good, good. This is like the least prepared that I'll be uh, all season. Um, I mean, you know, I drove like start on Sunday night. I usually really start hitting it hard, you know, um, and then, but this Sunday night I had to drive to go to St. Louis and then um, like Monday, you know, just got nothing done and Tuesday barely got anything done. Reeves, of course, is, he, he's on, he's on the usual track, right? You, you didn't really lose anything. No, I did, man. Lost, mm-hmm. uh, 
my Monday and Tuesday are my heavy work days. So that yeah. would be Christmas Eve and Tuesday. I'll be in Christmas. I, I lost all of my, you know, head start jump time. My article usually comes out Wednesdays. I told our boss, uh, that said, no way, man, it's going to be Friday this week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just like, Reed's laying down the law. He ain't messing around. I love it. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit weird with week 17. Of course, every single year we try and be as prepared as we can be, but there are curveballs every single year with this. Like we're, we're going to do our best, but, um, you know, make sure you pay attention this week, especially to kind of lose later on in the week, because we find out, Oh, yo, so, so-and-so is sitting like that's stuff you need to be paying attention to. So make sure you're doing that later in the week. Also a quick announcement before we jump into some games, you guys asked for it. We're going to deliver. We are going to have playoff DFS pick six starting next week. So January 2nd, mark your calendars. I think we're going to be about an hour or two, maybe three hours sooner. We're going to make sure we post about it. But uh, yeah, you want playoff DFS pick six? You have got playoff DFS pick six. So it's going to be a good time all around. So let's go ahead and jump into this uh, this this slate because our first game is a game between two teams that I get wrong every single time they're on the slate. So I'm glad it's on here. And I'm glad that I have to host and not give advice. Cause if I had to give advice here, I feel like we'd be screwed. It's Atlanta. It's Tampa. It's a 51 point total Tampa Bay at home. They're one and a half point favorites. And uh, Reeves, we've got Tevin Coleman and Julio. They're both being held out of practice. First off, do we expect them to play? I would be real surprised if we see them really play a full allotment of snaps. I mean, Julio went through this last week. He played a season-low 24 snaps, just 50% of the team total. Uh, we saw he got the touchdown, but just 24 receiving yards. There's really nothing. There's there's no reason for them to really push the envelope with Julio. He's got a pretty big cushion for the receiving yardage lead. Uh, you know, really no press for him. to. That's really all they can really have him gun for. Uh, it's been a good year for Julio. It's been a productive year. Let's just, you know, get him get him healthy. Let wait till next year. Uh, I think I'm more interested in what they're going to do with Tevin Coleman because if Tevin Coleman doesn't play, then we're probably going to get a full allotment of Brian Hill uh, I would love to hear Evans take on Brian Hill, but I was digging up my running back model just to see where I had Brian Hill. Pre-draft, I had a pretty good objective grade on him. Looking at uh, looking at him, I had him over guys like James Conner and Jamal Williams from an objective, objective stance before, you know, draft capital gets factored in. He was a guy who ran a, a 4-5-4-40. He was a workhorse at Wyoming, 25 touches per game. He had over 700 yards, over 1,900 yards per game, more just like a straight line uh, speed guy, you know, north-south runner, not much agility to his game. Last week was the most carries he's ever had in an NFL game, just eight and he turned him into 150 yards, obviously, on the strength of that one long run. But if we're going to get him, he's like one of these guys. There's not a lot of these preseason-type plays on the slate because the NFL is more of these teams playing for something than usual than we've had in these Week 17s. Uh, but Brian Hill could be one of these, you know, preseason-type guys to come in, get, you know, 15 to 20 touches against the team that's allowed the most touchdowns in the NFL to opposing backfields uh, and be kind of one of those, like, you know, those like depressed, you know, value type guys. I'll tell you what, there's nothing that screams week 17. Like, boy, this really could be a great Brian Hill week. Evan, what do you think about this Falcons offense? What do you think happens with Tevin Coleman? And are you interested in Brian Hill? Yeah. So um, as for Julio, you know, he, he has a 114 yard lead right now on Hopkins and he's got a 121 yard lead on Mike Evans. So, I mean, my, my thought it has been that they are going to try to get, make sure that he leads the NFL in receiving yards, you know? So I've been more optimistic on Julio, but you're right. I mean, he's, you know, significantly short of a hundred percent. 
and it doesn't make sense theoretically for them to push him. But I do, I do have to believe that, you know, leading the NFL and receiving yards is important to him. Um, but maybe that only takes, you know, 50, 60 yards. I, I think if he gets 50, 60 yards, he'd be, in, he'd be in a really good spot, you know, but I mean, look, Hopkins, Hopkins does have a tough matchup, but he can go off against anybody. Mike Evans in the same game is going to be coming after him. Um, so that's going to be real interesting to see how they play that. As for Tevin Coleman, no practice on Wednesday. I mean, not looking good for him. Brian Hill is a guy that I know he, he looks good in terms of his workhorse production at Wyoming. You know, he played there with Josh Allen. They were a run first offense and his metrics look good. I've never liked him in preseason. Um, but he did break off a really big run last week. He also lost a fumble in the fourth quarter, but they don't really have anybody else. They picked up, you know, they called up Jeremy Langford last week. So um, what's, what's his, like, we got to adjust him for price. You know, is he really cheap or what, what is his pricing looking like? I mean, he's 3,900 over on DraftKings. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you can fit him in and look, if he's going to start, it's going to be a really tough fade against this Tampa Bay defense. Right, Evan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he, he did not have very much uh, receiving production at Wyoming. Uh, he had one target and no catches last week. The Falcons just don't throw to their running backs, which is one of the most discouraging <laughs> aspects of their offense. I mean, seriously, like, what are you doing? Not so you, yeah, no, you had Devontae Freeman for a while. You've got Tevin Coleman and you're like, nope, can't do it. Don't want to risk it. It's, uh, it's a little silly. There was a game around midseason where they fed like Tevin Coleman seven targets and Edo Smith like five targets in the game. It was like, and they had their best offensive performance. I want to say it was against Washington. Um, and they, I mean, both dudes tore it up uh, in the receiving game. And I, I, they've just gone away. Like they, they didn't, none of their running backs even had a catch last week. Um, so that, you know, that's always discouraging. And are, are you looking at uh, Brian Hill on FanDuel, Reeves? Not really. When I was messing around with initial builds, not really. I mean, more looking at looking at the volume aspect on DK and seeing that 3,900 <laughs> and the touchdown potential. And even if he catches two passes on at 3,900 compared to the type of rushing volume and scoring ups that he had, I mean, he could hit, he could hit pretty big there. Uh, he's 53 on FanDuel, like nothing that you got to jam in. Um, we can talk about some builds as we move on through the show. I mean, it's a curious week because I've been, I've talked about on this show a lot. I mean, I've just been a jam three running back in guy all year. It's just what has worked me and you text back and forth last week. And you wanted me to play the two receivers. It's like, I just can't, man. I was like, I've, I've still, I've done one thing well all year. I'm just going to keep sticking with it. I got to rock the boat, but this might be a week where we don't have these big guys. You know, if McCaffrey sits, I mean, you really only have Saquon at the top because Zeke's probably not, you can't trust Zeke. Um, he's one of the, the few teams that we really can't trust their guys to play no matter what they tell us. Uh, so it might be one of those weeks where you have to take, a, you know, these guys like the Jamal Williams is and those types of cheap, cheap guys. And those are the running backs we play and build around. I set my running back rankings tonight uh, on Roto Road because we have to. And it is bad, man. It is, it is real tough uh, to set running backs. I mean, there's guys that you objectively don't like and you just have to put in the top 15. But in DFS, we don't have to play those guys. We can, we can skip that, you know, pricing tier. Uh, and we can pay for guys that receivers that we feel strongly about this week. We feel good about Devontae Adams and them chasing that record. We feel probably good about the Steelers guys this week. 
you know, in a, in a game that they have to win against the Bengals team that is just all but quit and Drake or Patrick's probably not going to play. Uh, you know, so we might be able to fit Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams together in a lineup because of a guy like Brian Hill or some of these other running backs. Or, you know, week 17 just might want to be might be one of those, you know, cattywampus weeks where we flip the script and, pl- and just uh, play cheap running backs. Well, all year the whole pay up for running backs is thing has worked. And I've personally been trying to do this pay up for wide receiver thing all year. And um, very clearly that has not been working all that well. But I, maybe this is the week. This is finally the week. And yeah, I'm with you on Devontae Adams. He feels very safe with a ton of upside this week. So, I mean, if we're not really sure if Julio is going to play, if we don't know about Tevin Coleman, Evan, can we feel good about anybody on this Falcons offense? We know. I mean, unless we get, you know, Julio inactive. Um, then I, I would say lean no. Um, and then, you know, then we can start looking at Calvin Ridley. But even last week, like Calvin Ridley had a nice box score. You know, he, he definitely finally had a nice box score, but he got pretty much all of it on one play, which was a busted coverage by the Panthers. And, you know, his, I mean, he had five targets. You know, it's not like he, he all of a sudden exploded with his opportunity. Nothing has really changed. You know, Austin Hooper has come back. Sanu also had a big, um, a big box score, but it was the same sort of deal. Panthers blew coverage and uh, gave up a 44-yard touchdown to him. So it's just it's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed, and you know a, a team that isn't necessarily as Reeves mentioned isn't necessarily 100% motivated. So no, I mean I think that they're all kind of all kind of dicey plays. Someone's going to have a good game. Maybe two guys have a good game, but. Um, no one that you can play with absolute confidence. On so on this Bucks, I mean, on this Bucks side, I'd get scared. We got a team that I feel like I've gotten wrong all year. Every time I play Mike Evans, he puts up 12 points. Every time I play Deshaun Jackson, he gets hurt. Uh, Cameron Brait scores a touchdown and has a grand total of seven points at the end of the game. So Reeves, who do we like on this Bucks side? Because this total is way too big just to ignore the game. Jameis. I think it's Jameis. When you look at the week, how it's set up, and this is this could be Jameis's final game in Tampa, or it could be an audition for the next regime. And Jameis has played pretty well since he's taken back over. And um, he he started off with like three really positive matchups, and now he's had three really hard matchups in a row. I mean, he played the Saints at home in like the rain. He played at Baltimore, which has been a terrible place for anyone to play. And he played in Dallas last week, you know, who always, you know, neuters game script. And he came out pretty positive in the game outside the turnover, you know, that went for the touchdown. Uh, but, you know, 300 yards, you know, completed 71% of his passes in that game. He is he has always had success against Dan Quinn's defense, even when they're healthy. He's getting a Dan Quinn defense now in week 17, finishing out the string of a season that's been a disappointment. He's been a top 12 fantasy score in five or six career games against the Falcons. He's thrown three or more touchdowns in each of their past four meetings, and that was including that 395 four-yard, four-touchdown game earlier in the year when he made his first start of the season. So, I mean, I'm looking at his price, expected value, what he has to play for. Uh, you know, I'm looking at all these things line up, and I'm looking at uh, Jameis is probably going to be the, the guy that I lock in for, you know, cash and double up sweep. Interesting, because, I mean, Jameis is just a guy that, again, I never seem to get right with him, but if we're going to play him, Evan, I assume we're going to pair him with Mike Evans. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as we mentioned, uh, Mike Evans is within striking distance of the NFL uh, receiving yardage lead. Um, he also is a guy that uh, uh, he, he ranks number five in the NFL in air yards over the past six weeks. He's number seven in the NFL in receiving yards. Um, and uh, the Falcons have given up the third most touchdown catches to opposing wide receivers. So, and, you know, I think we definitely will end up looking at Chris Godwin if uh, no 
especially if there's no DJX. But Godwin has not played recently. Looks like DJX might not play. You know, Cameron Brait, Dirk Cutter kind of revealed today that Cameron Brait has been injured all year, playing hurt all season long. And Mike Evans is like the healthiest member of this pass catcher core outside of Adam Humphreys. Um, and he's got, you know, the big time, uh, you know, touchdown possibilities and uh, a lot of yardage to play for if he wants to actually make a run at Julio for that NFL receiving. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. So, and he's really cheap on FanDuel. I mean, seventy three hundred, I think, is a really good price against Atlanta. Yeah. So, um, I, I love that price on FanDuel for my captains. Yeah, it's seven seven over on DK. A little bit more, but you can still play him just fine. All right, we got a couple blowouts next. Uh, let's talk Oakland at Kansas City. Fifty two and a half point spread. Kansas City thirteen and a half point favorites at home. The Chiefs they're looking to secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs and. Um, if you need to secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs, Reeves, the matchup doesn't get much better than the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> at, at home, too. I mean, Oakland is a team that has just been miserable on the road. They've actually played pretty decently and played a lot of close games in Oakland. Uh, you know, their swan song in Oakland, as it, as it may be. Uh, but they have not played well on the road. I mean, is, you can even go back two weeks ago and they played uh, a Bengals team that has just been flushed down the drain. They just no-showed that game. They got, their, they got run out of the Bengals' house. I mean, so a Chiefs team that has everything to play for, they can have a bye or they can drop down to the four seed. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Oakland to go in here and really put 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 something up. Derek Carr is just seven touchdown passes on the road this year. He has never played well in Arrowhead. He's never been higher than QB 19. The Raiders have never scored more than 17 points with Derek Carr under center in Arrowhead. And the Chiefs themselves have been a lot better defense in Arrowhead. So it doesn't really line up well for the Raiders. Uh, but on the Chiefs side, I mean, it's easy. I mean, if you're going to save, if you're going to play a lot of these cheap guys, you can probably smash in Mahomes and finally pay for him. Uh, but we're probably not. Uh, I mean, the highest touchdown rate in the league facing the team that's uh, allowed the highest touchdown rate in the league defensively. You know, the Raiders have faced the fewest amount of pass attempts. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns. I mean, it's it's kind of recipe for Patrick Mahomes to keep going off. And we saw what a guy like Travis Kelsey did them a few weeks ago. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey almost almost dropped what like a 250 game on him if a yeah. couple of those plays didn't come back. Tyreek's been kind of like he's can kind of, he's left a lot a lot a lot in the field here, uh, you know recently and it started with this game in Oakland where he just you know just couldn't play the ball in that game and the Bengals or not the Bengals game uh, the uh, Thursday night game drops the touchdown but I mean he's still getting a ton of value averaging 10 targets per game without Sammy Watkins. Uh, so, I mean, you can just still, you know, make some stacks with him and get him involved in some tournaments because you know he's capable on that type of target volume to drop a 200-yard game. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Tyreek Hill, like, kind of came back to life this week. That sort of feels like – it sort of feels like that week to me. Evan, what about you? Who are you targeting on the Chiefs? Because there are obviously a lot of mouths to feed here. Yeah, just going to try to jam in as many guys as I possibly can, you know, which at the end of the week might only be one guy because they are definitely expensive. Um, but I, I want as much exposure as I can to the Chiefs side. Um, the Raiders, I mean, 
this is like a, a very classic letdown spot for the Raiders. As Reeves mentioned, yeah. they've been terrible on the road. They're on a short week coming off a primetime win. And, you know, I think that the Chiefs, like, especially after losing two games in a row, like they've lost two games in a row and they're likely to get a first round bye. Like their goal should be to just heat up the Raiders as much as they possibly can, maybe like drop 50 on them. You know, like that should be their goal in this game. They, they need to finish this regular season strong uh, because they're not going to be playing for a couple of weeks in all likelihood. And, um, and they, they just lost two games and they're still a pretty young team. You know, they have a first year starting quarterback. Um, so, you know, they, I mean, I, I think that they're highly incentivized to put up, to just have their best possible effort. And I think that we will see it from them. Um, with Tyreek Hill, he is, I think he's, I think he's pretty close to healthy. Um, but I, I agree with Reeves that he, uh, that he's just sort of left a lot of yardage on the field. Um, and whether, you know, you could blame Mahomes on some of the throws, you could definitely blame Tyreek uh, for not, you know, secure, securing catchable passes over the past three or four weeks. But there, there's been a lot of production left on the field. He did have nine targets last week. You know, he gets tackled like inside the five seemingly every week and, you know, over the over these past few weeks. And, you know, it's just it seems like he's a guy that regression to the mean in a positive manner is yeah. going to hit him is going to hit him, and I think that this is a game where it should happen. Yeah, like it really feels like a Mahomes to Hill just ball-out spot. And, again, it's tough to pay for him. Patrick Mahomes, 7-1 over on DK, Tyreek Hill, 8-4, so you're not getting any sort of discount, even though, you know, Tyreek Hill hasn't really been all that good lately. So, I mean, Reeves, <laughs> what do we think of this running game? Are, are, is Spencer Ware, if he plays, is he somebody that we're going to target? God, man, I wish he'd just sit out. (laughs) Are are we sure he's better than Damian Williams? That's, I mean, I'd love to get Evan's take on it for the kind of offense that the Chiefs have been running, you know. I mean, obviously, but but then you say, well, they lost both those games. Uh, You know, he's had – Damian Williams has had over 100 yards of scrimmage. The offense has stayed, you know, on schedule. I mean, the the Chargers game was just fluky. I mean, they were up 14 with six minutes to go. Teams don't really blow those types of leads. Um, you know, and then last week, you know, playing in Seattle's tough and they just fell behind and they could never get that. It felt like they were just always a play away, you know, a play away, a play away. It just never, never happened for Hey, them. running backs um, don't matter. That's what this means, right? Right. But I mean, Damian Williams has played well as a combo back. But then when you look at the game prior to where Spencer Ware was injured, I mean, he 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 played combo back well against the, a defense that was much better against the Ravens. And he had five catches in that game. Uh, he had 20 touches compared to Damian Williams' 12. So I don't think it's fair to just say, you know, Spencer Ware is, you know, a worse player than Damian Williams or fits the offense, you know, worse because the game before he was hurt, he was doing all those things anyways. It's just one of those situations where you'd rather have it be clear-cut one guy uh, because we just don't know who's going to get the touchdowns and the opportunities. It was Damian Williams in that game, but who could it be the next game? I mean, it's tough. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm curious that Evans takes he's got a clear read on it than me. I mean, I just wish it was one guy. Evan, what do you think about this uh, Chiefs no, running back situation? Spencer Ware was full practice on Wednesday. That's, you know, about a strong indication as of Wednesday night that he's going to be back. Um, and I just think it goes into a committee. You know, someone will probably have a good game. Your guess is as good as mine. Who that'll be. Damian Williams goes from, you know, 13 to 17 touches, probably down to, you know, 9 to 13. And Spencer Ware is probably in the same range in, in terms of a touch projection. So, um, I, I, I'm like Reeves. I wish that there, we had clarity. I'd love to play Damian Williams, you know, at home against the Raiders, but, uh, looks like he's going to be in a shared backfield. 
Uh, and you know, it's kind of a situation that you're just, you're just hoping to get lucky. Yeah. I, I have no interest in uh, messing with that situation. One situation, another situation that I had no interest in messing with until he just rose from the grave was Jordy Nelson targets of 11, seven and eight. He scored over 10 uh, PPR points each of the last three weeks. Evan, can we believe in Jordy in this spot? I mean, it's sustained volume. You know, it's it's legit. Um, he is averaging nine targets per game over his last four. He's catching everything. You know, he's playing at a pretty high level right now. Uh, I mean, and, you know, they're messing with Jared Cook's playing time again, and they're not messing with Jordy Nelson. This could actually be his final NFL game. There have been rumors that he could be retiring. Um, He's 23rd among wide receivers in air yards over the last month. You know, that's, that's pretty good for him. He doesn't necessarily run a lot of, um, you know, deep routes. And he gets a lot of high percentage, uh, a lot of high percentage usage. Uh, he had 10 for 97 when these teams played in week 13. And, yeah, I mean, if you're going to stack the game, I think that you bring it back with Jordy. And he's only 5,200 on FanDuel. I think he's pretty interesting. Yeah, 4,900 over on DK. And, I mean, Reeves, he's the only guy in Oakland we're considering, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think you can get cute in tournament play and, and look at, at, at Richard. I think he's probably going to have the highest volume here. I mean, the Chiefs just have been so – they've been just foolproof on, like, these types of running backs that hit. And even Richard, had a, he had 126 total yards the last time these teams played. I mean, there's there's volume for upside. I mean, obviously you're not – he's not a cash guy by any means, but, I mean, he'd be the other guy, I would say, if you're going to run, like, a complete game stack, he'd be the other guy that could have production. Yeah, that's just I, – I can't play Jalen Richard, man. I just want to – I don't even want to play Jordy Nelson. Like, I'm uncomfortable playing Jordy. He's just uh, – <laughs> yeah, Lee. Like the dude's about to play his last NFL game. I mean, I know I played Kobe in that spot, but Jordy yeah. Nelson is not Kobe. Um, guy, there was a question in the chat about playoff scenarios. We're gonna run through those after we talk about our third game because um, yeah, there are definitely some teams with stuff to play for. There are some teams with nothing to play for, and uh, I'm gonna I'm basically gonna be stealing <laughs> what Alvin Levitan wrote about on the uh, DraftKings playbook. I thought he wrote a really good article, so I'm just gonna kind of be running through what he's already written about. So let's go ahead and talk about. Our third game, another game that should be a blowout, another game that matters, the Jets at the Patriots, 44.5 point total. New England, they're 13.5 point favorites at home. And Evan, is this Gronk's last regular season game? Uh, I mean, I don't know if that matters, though, you know, because <laughs> I, I don't know if that matters. Yeah. yeah. He's just, oh, man. It's, do, uh, do last regular season games matter? It does for Jordy. Well, but but Gronk's gonna go play in the playoffs. I, I'm just messing with you. I just I just can't get over calling him a surfer. I mean, he's gonna wear a uniform <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> he'll he'll lumber along. He'll do a great job of moving slowly. Uh, yeah. All right, Evan, yeah. where are we going with the Pats here? Because Tom Brady, I I don't know. I haven't played him all year, but obviously it's a great matchup. And I'll tell you what, it's tough to get a better matchup than Julian Edelman's gonna get in the slot this week. Yeah, I mean Julian Edelman is he's the he's the only guy that you can bank on in the entire receiver core. You know, he has 17 more targets than any other Patriot since their week 11 bye. He's got 90 plus total yards and/or a touchdown in nine of his last 10 games, and the Jets just get killed in slot coverage. Um, you know, so I there there's no you know Julian Edelman is like about as you know safe a play as you could possibly come up with. I think this is another Sony Michelle game, and 
Um, I think that the Patriots passing game with the exception of Edelman has kind of reached a crossroads because you've got Rob Gronkowski, who he might be at his best as a blocker these days. Um, Josh Gordon is, you know, long gone. Um, Tom Brady on pace for his second worst passer rating in the last decade. And they are number three in football outsiders adjusted line yards for run blocking. Um, they uh, have allowed the fewest tackles for loss in the NFL. So they're not giving up penetration to opposing defensive lines. Uh, Sony Michelle is averaging five yards per carry on first down runs. So they have like a really good running game right now. And it's just starting to hit its stride. We saw it last week. I mean, they incorporated Cordero Patterson, Philip Dorsett, Rex Burkhead got 17 touches last week. Um, but it, the, the offense right now, I think, is flowing through Sony Michelle. And I think we'll continue to see that on Sunday. They're favored by almost two touchdowns. The Jets have not been good in run defense. 4.7 yards per carry allowed to opposing RBs over the last six weeks. 125-plus rushing yards allowed in five of their last six games, including eight rushing touchdowns. Um, so the game sets up perfectly for Sony Michelle. He does not have a great floor because he never catches passes, but he's got a chance at, you know, 120, 150 rushing yards in this game with you know, hopefully a touchdown or two. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Nick Chubb situation last week where you knew he wasn't yeah. going to catch passes, but like he was just going to get so much volume, it doesn't matter. And this does feel like a Sony Michelle spot. We know the Patriots, they've kind of been saving. They're going to save James White for the playoffs a little bit. This is something they've done the last couple of years. Should be no surprise. And Reeves, I kind of think it's Michelle and Edelman and move on. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about Michelle last week on this show at the end and I talked about Ray and like, so when the Patriots have always been double digit favorites, not even in the circumstances now where they're, they're really just geared to do this because they only have Julian Edelman in the past game to rely on. I mean, Tom Brady's historically underperformed in these spots. Um, He's been a double-digit favorite now 26 times since 2012. He's reached 20 fantasy points just seven of those games. But if you look at their RB1s in those games, they've just smashed. And we were in this spot a couple weeks ago. They ran for a season-high 215 yards when these teams last met. Uh, Sonny Michelle had 21 carries basically um, off of injury. You know, he played in that, that Titans game but barely played, you know, prior to that. Um, and then if you look to a year ago, the, the, the Patriots were just in the same exact spot. You know, they had the win to secure home field against the Jets the last week of the year. And they ran 38 times in the game. Uh, so we're probably going to be in another spot where they just stack, you know, rushing attempts in this game. And, you know, Sony's going to be that guy. And that's it. Basically, you guys laid out, you know, Sony Michelle, Edelman. Uh, I saw people trying to talk themselves into Hogan last week again. And what Hogan come out and do, man, ooh, that cardio plan was hot. Dude, he was right before. He was a put. Listen, man, he was he was trying to shed those Christmas pounds early. You know, he, there was no way. Was like, I saw people trying to talk themselves into Hogan, man. We are Acrisure, an extraordinary advantage in insurance, real estate services, cyber services, asset management, and more. Find out what Acrisure can do for you at Acrisure.com. And he was out there. He played like ninety percent of snaps. I think he had one, what two, two or three targets. Well, it was funny because I was considering him until we were doing our show last week, and he said, dude, he's been running routes the whole season. He's just not getting the targets. So, of course, I ended up at the chief range playing Michael Gallup that obviously worked out for me. But, like, yeah, Hogan just – I mean, unless he just catches, you know, a long bomb on just a completely blown coverage, like they're just not looking his way. It's, Edelman might catch 15 balls in this one. Like, really. And I would set – I mean, Evan, over under 20 carries for Sonny Michelle. 
Yeah, I mean, I would I would take the over. I mean, I think that's a pretty a, a pretty good line there. You know, he's averaging 18.4 touches per game since their bye. I only had 18 carries last week, but I think that 20 is a good estimation there, and, and I'd still probably take the over. Yeah, and on the other side, it's not quite as um, depressing as the Oakland side, even though it's the same spread and the total is lower here because – on the Jets side, we've seen Sam Darnold just feed Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson the last two weeks has just balled out. You were not winning anything last week because Robbie Anderson was 40% on in high stakes. And um, if you didn't have him, you were screwed because he went off. So, Evan, do you see this as another Robbie Anderson spot? Yeah, I mean, I think that, the, you know, it's it's a little different because Bill Belichick is like a game planner, you know, and – he is going to do what he can to limit the impact of Robbie Anderson in this game. With that said, you know, they kind of got lucky that they limited the impact of Robert Foster last week because he just lost an 82 yard touchdown in the sun, you know, and otherwise he, otherwise he had like 55 yards that would have brought him to 130 yards and a touchdown. And that would have been a monster fantasy game. If he just would have, you know, um, been wearing sunglasses, I guess. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I'd love to see him run around some Oakleys out there. Just now, guys, I got this. But Robbie Anderson gets way more volume than him. Um, we've seen some speed receivers take it to uh, Stefan Gilmore this year, Bryce Butler uh, in particular. Um, and just the chemistry is in a really good place right now with Darnold and, uh, and Robbie Anderson. And I mean, there's a, a serious trust factor going on there. And really, can anyone really cover Robbie Anderson, you know, when he is running at full speed? I mean, this dude is four, three, six, and he's long and he's tall. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the toughest covers in the NFL. Um, Sam Darnold over the last three weeks has the highest QBR of any quarterback in football. Uh, he led a comeback win at Buffalo, not easy to do. And then he was the quarterback three and the quarterback seven in fantasy. Over the last two weeks, he's running more. Um, he's averaging uh, 15 rushing yards per game over his last six starts. He only averaged three rushing yards per game in his first six. Um, and he's just kind of like taken over the offense uh, because their OC is about to be fired. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're to the point in the season where you can't dismiss, you know, the, 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 the chemistry and the flow of an offense like this when it's really clicking and the Patriots are not an imposing defense. They have some good players. They have some good players in the secondary, no question. But ultimately, they're really not, you know, they're nothing close to a shutdown defense. And uh, I think that, again, at this point in the season, you want to have a, you know, a, a little bit of exposure to that Darnold to Robbie Anderson stack every week. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he's just looking for him so much, and Darnold looks pretty darn good to me at least. Reeves, what do you think about the Jets side here? Yeah, I think it starts with Robbie Anderson. I mean, I think there, you can definitely point to maybe some negatives, the same negatives you could have pointed to the matchup that was going in for Robert Foster last week. Um, but I just don't think when you have a when you have a type of player getting those types of targets at the volume they're getting those targets, that you just can't fade those types of guys. You can't completely remove them off the board based on matchup because the volume of those types of targets carry so much weight in fantasy that inefficiency doesn't really doesn't really you know come into play there. I mean, if Robert Foster catches that ball, I mean Robert Foster could have had 140 yards in that game last week. You caught the lower you caught the lower end of the you know the variance there, but I mean there was. If you stuck with him and you know played and, and played him, like the, there was still the upside there. It was present. You just didn't. You just left some plays in the field. So when you talk about Robbie Anderson, a guy that's got 38 targets over the past four weeks, 
and he's getting the types of targets he gets. I mean, it's hard to just say, you know, I'm looking at the Patriots, you know, they're third against the deep ball. I don't know, man. I'm just going to not chase those types of targets. You can't, you gotta, you gotta play them. You gotta hold your nose and play them. It's like the same thing with like Galladay a couple weeks ago. You know, it's like, you just have to play those guys. They're getting those types of targets. It's been like that with Court and Sutton the past few weeks. People have been wanting to play Deshaun Hamilton for all right reasons. Deshaun Hamilton's been fine. But when you get those types of touches or types of targets, the value we're getting, those vertical shot plays, those end zone targets, those matter in fantasy football, no matter if they're hitting or not. You play those. You want those to consist. You want to have consistency of those coming in week in, week out. That's what you have with Robbie Anderson right now. And I think the other guy that you could probably play, I think on DK I'm a little bit interested in is Herndon because we're going to have some passing volume. He's priced down. He's the tight end six overall in PPR since uh, week seven. I mean, that says a lot about the tight end position <laughs> from, you know, out, outside of, you know, the, basically when you get to George Kittle, beyond George Kittle, it's been terrible. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he had a season high eight targets when these teams last played, you know, season high seven catches, probably be like a cheap PPR guy. Um, Darnold has played well, but I mean, we have the other thing that Baker's running into this week. Baker, another guy that's played well. Rookie QBs, 0-13 on the road against Bill Belichick. Uh, one guy has had a usable fantasy game in that stretch. It was Deshaun Watson, who did a lot with his legs. Uh, Patriots have won those games by an average of 17 points. Uh, Baker's in a similar spot where just rookie QBs are 1-10 uh, since John Harbaugh uh, has taken over the Ravens in Baltimore. So, I mean, two rookies, I'm going to be looking to see if they can flip those trends this week are Darnold and Baker. Evan, who's going to be your rookie of the year? Is it Baker or is it Saquon? Yeah, I mean, look, Saquon has had an unbelievable year. You know, he's in the he's in the running for, you know, a lot of just all-time marks for rookies. I mean, he, if he gets 14 catches on Sunday, he will um, tie Anquan Bolden for the most catches all-time by a rookie. You know, that's 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 pretty awesome. That's, pretty <laughs> that's awesome. incredible. He slowed down the last couple of weeks, so he's not going to contend for Eric Dickerson's um, uh, all-time mark for yards from scrimmage uh, by a rookie running back. Um, but he's had an unbelievable year and he's really good at his job. You know, he's really good at his job, but Baker Mayfield, I think what he, what he's been able to do, like, you know, giving hope to like an entire freaking city, you know, and with the level that he has played at in the second half of the year. Um, I mean, I, I, I think it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. You, you can give offensive rookie of the year to Saquon and you can give, I'm sorry, you can give uh what is it? What's the other rookie award? Actually, there there isn't even one, is there? Um, I don't know. Yeah, just, no, that's typically how the league plays, like MVP. Like they always, right. MVP is just a quarterback award, and then they give like a, like whoever has like an awesome running back year is like offensive player of the year, like Gurley was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's no question. Come on, though, better that, NFL. The, the right answer here is Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think I I would agree with you, but I'm also a big time Baker fan, so I was making sure I just wasn't being a. Uh, you know, just wasn't being biased. All right, real quick, I'm going to run down the playoff scenarios because we had somebody in the chat asking, and people are going to be listening to this podcast for the next few days. So this is it. And again, I'm pulling this from uh, Adam Levitan's The uh, DK Playbook. He's He wrote this article, he writes it every year, and it's really, really good just as a point of reference to find out, okay, where do I need to go? What games matter? What players are going to be playing? So here we go really quick. The Chiefs, if they win, they're going to clinch the uh, number one seed. If the Patriots, they must win to clinch the number two seed. The Texans, they have to win to clinch a first-round home game. The Ravens, they got to win to make the playoffs, but they're pretty uh, – I like their spot here. The Chargers, they have to win and have the Chiefs lose to earn the number one seed. 
And then, of course, you've got the Sunday night game between the Colts and the Titans. Winner makes the playoffs. I cannot believe the Titans are favored in that game, but hey, whatever. And then the Steelers, they have to win, and they have to have the Ravens lose to make the playoffs. So those are kind of the eight teams in the AFC that are really looking for stuff. And the NFC, the Saints, they're locked in. We'll talk about that situation in a second. The Rams, they have to win. They're going to clinch the number two seed in the first round by the Bears. They, if they win and the Rams lose, they clinch the number two seed. Um, Rams ain't losing this week. Cowboys, they're locked into the fourth seed. Don't expect them to be playing their starters a whole lot, if at all. The Seahawks, they're either going to be the five or six seed. Not a ton to play for. The Vikings, they have to win to make, to clinch a playoff first. And the Eagles, they have to win and have the Vikings lose to clinch a playoff first. How did I do, Evan? I mean, I thought that was excellent, Adam. Yeah, thanks. I know. I, I mean, I straight just read it from Adam's article. Right? <laughs> I mean, sorry, but it's <laughs> he he wrote the best thing here. We're reading it. I gave him credit. Whatever. <laughs> Let's talk some other quarterbacks on this slate because I think one of the guys that we haven't really talked about yet. We mentioned the receiver in passing, uh, but Aaron Rodgers. And to me, Reeves, the Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams stack is about as lock and load as you can get. Yeah, it's pretty strong. I mean, the the one thing is, is there's a couple things from last week that definitely you can't count on. One is that dude, he had 17 fantasy rushing points last week, Aaron Rodgers. Probably not going to get those. <laughs> um, he also threw, uh, and he, he also had um, so much passing volume. One that game went overtime and two, it was a shootout. He's playing the Lions who just cripple play volume in games. Uh, so it's going to be a game where he has to live on that efficiency. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a guy we could count on living on an efficiency against the team that is 31st in yards per attempt allowed to opposing passers. So 31st in touchdown rate, uh, the Lions are. But uh, I would say if you're chasing like a 40-point banger from last week, probably not going to get it against the Lions team who are just – they just kind of ruin games. They ruin football altogether. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm in in the stack. I think that they're going to just pepper Devontae Adams, man. Like, he's yeah. just going to get so many targets again this week. So, I mean, I'm in. I like Josh Allen this week. I was off Josh Allen last week because of the Patriots stuff I brought up earlier. Um, but I think this is a fun week. We got Josh Allen in his final game. He's at home against the Miami team. Is another team like Oakland. Like, they just have not traveled. Uh, he ran for a buck 35 the last time these teams played. The Dolphins have allowed at least 15 fantasy points uh, to each of the past four quarterbacks they faced. Top 12 scorer, three of those past four. I think it sets up well for his receivers this week. I think he can run some interesting Bill Stacks. Uh, I mean, here we are, week 17, talking Bill Stacks. Robert Foster's in a good spot. The Dolphins allow a lot of splash plays, tied for sixth in the league, an amount of 20-yard pass plays allowed. He's averaging 23 yards per depth of target uh, since Josh Allen returned to the lineup. Robert Foster has 111 air yards per game. Zay Jones will be moving back into the slot now because Isaiah McKenzie got carded for like the fourth time in two weeks. Um, and slot guys have just crushed Miami. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to get uh, some interesting pairing there. I like, you know, Josh Allen to bounce back, you know, and have another ceiling type of game. What about you, Evan? Who are some of the quarterbacks you're looking at? Yeah, speaking of the Lions, how about Patricia? He, like, shows up late to team meetings and stuff. <laughs> I was reading that. It's so bizarre. Like, like coach is just, like, the most the anal people in the world about being on time. Like, it's just uh, – yeah, it's bizarre. And the Lions, not only do they suck in fantasy, but they make your other fantasy players playing them suck. They're like that friend that, like, when they're having a bad day, like, they're going to bring you right down with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to make sure oh, – I know what you're saying. Too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, who are some of the other quarterbacks you're looking at? 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about, uh, I mean, Nick Foles, like, is, is, is he still in play? I, I kind of think he is. I mean, the guy, you just, like, build the statue, right? How awesome was that playing him last week? That, that felt like – I mean, I don't know. If he, I played I – <laughs> he wasn't even the highest-scoring quarterback in his game. Like, whatever. <laughs> Sean, Sean, we were on that one, though, man. Listen, yeah, guys, I know. I finally got Deshaun Watson. I could not believe he was over like, hit. I can't uh, believe he was completely unowned either. Like Deshaun Watson was under five percent in tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Our our overcalls crushed last week. Um, you think? <laughs> I don't know. Quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I think he kind of. I think uh, Reeves kind of nailed them all. I mean, I, I I wanted like to get uh, forty snaps of Taysom Hill. I think that would be fun, but that isn't going to happen. Because we're going to get Teddy uh, Bridgewater. Yeah, but I. <sighs> I mean, with a bunch of backups, you know, throwing to Kevin Arnold. So I mean, hey, why shouldn't why shouldn't they play Taysom Hill though? Brittany Bridgewater's not going to be on the team next year. Yeah. Like, why not give him an extended look and just see what he can do? I mean, what playing Teddy Bridgewater kind of makes no sense unless you're just worried Taysom exposing Taysom Hill because he plays the Jose Okendo role, plays like every position on your on your team. Uh, but why not play him? Yeah, and I, I totally I, I hear you. I think that the reason is you, there's no incentive for them to give the rest of the league 40 snaps worth of tape on Taysom Hill. And there is incentive for them to, you know, get Bridgewater a game uh, before the playoffs in case they got to use him, right? So, but I, but I totally hear you. I, I, love, the, I love the call on J, Josh Allen. I think he has a big game. I think he could have a really big game uh, against Miami. And... Um, uh, ben. Yeah. Ben should, the game that they have to win, like, you know, Ben's just going to ball out here. Yeah. Ben should absolutely cross. This is another prime bounce back spot, you know, on the road. I mean, shoot, they, you know, they were a great testament to defenses don't matter. They had a great uh, game offensively against what had been the best defense in the NFL for the previous six weeks. Um, ben was the QB four in fantasy. And now they go back home to face the worst defense in the NFL, allowing league highs and points per game, yards per game, yards per play, everything. So I think Ben should should absolutely drop bombs on Cincinnati. What about Lamar? The price has come down. He's 5.6K now on DK. Like, obviously, we're not going to get a ton of passing volume, but any interest in Lamar for you, Evan? Uh, no, no, not not for me. I mean, I just think that the, the ceiling just isn't there, you know, okay. because just the passing game – hasn't I mean he just hasn't put it all together I mean last week he actually had a decent passing game that's how we got the bulk of his points but um, he didn't have you know the big rushing game the the Browns I think are are absolutely going to play this game to the fullest and it wouldn't surprise me if they if they won this game how about, how about Cleveland? Cleveland wants to beat Baltimore so bad oh, yeah uh, they're, they're, they're they already beat them once this year so they have that level of confidence you know, they're riding high with Baker Baker. I mean, they're five and one in their last six. You know, they've got a they've got a legit good team. Their team is good. Just think had they fired Hugh Jackson three weeks earlier. Three weeks earlier, they'd be in the playoffs. All this right, is a big deal for me for them, for him. Not not Baker. I think he's good, but for the Browns in general and all this talk about their coaching staff and should the Browns mm-hmm. keep Greg Williams, isn't it stupid? But listen, man. The Browns, they played as well as they played and not take anything away from them. Like, this is a big deal for Greg Williams to beat a good team. They played one good team over that stretch, and they got smoked. They got smoked in that game against the Texans. They were never in it. 
Uh, so to go into Baltimore and for them to have a strong showing and to possibly win that game would go a long way uh, for, 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 you know, a guy like Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens. I mean, because you look at it, I mean, listen, man, it, Baker's played such a high level and, and the plays, everything they've done has exponentially been better. But they need to give us at least a taste of them being able to do it against a formidable opponent, and they haven't given us that yet. It's the last hurdle that Baker and this offense needs to do. They need to give us a big game against a really good defense. They've got an opportunity for it, so that gets the Ravens team has everything to play for uh, in their house. So this is, I'm I'm really I'm really really want I'm, I'm really highlighting that game as one to watch uh, intently on Sunday. Yeah, I think that might be the best game to watch just because you've got two quarterbacks that are a lot of fun to watch with Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Plus you got, you know, Cleveland wanting revenge on the Ravens for leaving town. It's just like everything here lines up for a really, really fun game to watch. Let's talk some running backs. Evan, are we going to feel comfortable enough with Todd Gurley? Because if he goes, man, he's just too cheap. Like you just got to play him. Yeah. um, I don't know. I don't think he's going to go. So he's not, you know, he's not someone that I've really looked hard at yet. Um, I've been looking more at just the value guys. We already talked about Brian Hill. Um, I kind of, you know, want to talk myself into Royce Freeman. He's 4,700 on FanDuel. And 35 on DK. Yeah. So, but, you know, he hasn't been great this year, um, especially in the second half at, since coming back from the high ankle sprain. But, I mean, they are in, they are incentivized to give him a lot of carries with no Philip Lindsay. But they're, they're facing a Chargers team that, has a lot to play for is clearly better than them, you know, by a distance. What is the, uh, what's the spread on this? Um, yeah. Oh, it opened. Yeah. It opened as chargers uh, minus four. It's six and a half now. Yeah. And it's bet, bet, been bet up toward a touchdown. That's not good for Royce Freeman. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and Freeman's not the kind of guy that can catch passes in a negative. No, game. no. I so, mean, you, it, it could be a disaster. I mean, it could be it could end up being a Devontae Booker game. He's probably your play on on DK. Um, but how about I just play neither of them? That's fine too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff Wilson uh, is back in position against the Rams. Same kind of concern. We we have seen Jeff Wilson have a big game in terms of receptions. However, uh, and the 49ers have been you know they've been a tough out uh, down the stretch. They're playing real hard. And so um, I think that Jeff Wilson is kind of interesting. I don't know. I've, I've been focused on the, the cheaper guys. Jamal Williams is an awesome spot against Detroit. I know the Lions have been better against the run recently, but they also placed a couple of big-time defensive linemen on injured reserve recently. And, I mean, Jamal Williams played 85 of 90 snaps last week. That's and a lot. No other, no other running back on the Packers even touched the ball. And now he's at home as a, an eight to 10 point favorite depending on where you look uh and facing this dead Detroit team that really has nothing to play for their their coach doesn't even show up to the team meetings on time this is hilarious Reeves you got any other running backs to talk about oh that's pretty good pretty much coverage uh yeah Jamal Williams I feel like you just gotta you just gotta play him just just do it uh, what scares me about Royce Freeman is that I think we started to it started to creep up the last few weeks with Philip Lindsay is that you know, the, the Broncos lost like a ton of offensive linemen in the middle of the year. They lost uh, Ronald Leary. They lost Matt Paradis, their starting center. And like Lindsey was like fine afterwards. He's that type of runner. If he gets a crease and he hits it, he's gone. He's But we saw the last few weeks when he wasn't getting all those yards before contact. And he's not a, like an elusive type of running back. 
he's just like a shot out of a cannon guy and it's hurt his production. And um, I don't think Rice Freeman's a guy that can over overcompensate bad O-line play. <laughs> yeah, I would say not. I like Rice Freeman. I think he's a real solid player. He's not, he definitely was outplayed by Philip Lindsay. He deserved to, to, to step aside for that job. It's just that I don't think he's that type of, of a player. And like you guys talked about, he's not going to overcome Devontae Booker in the passing role. So he makes him a real tricky play. Uh, in a game where the Chargers have to, you know, have to win or not have to win, but just they're probably going to play out for like a good stretch unless they're really scoreboard watching and see the Chiefs are just roasting the Chargers or uh, the Raiders and they the Chargers like kind of ease off the throttle. Uh, so Jamal Williams, I wish we knew what Seattle was going to do because I mean Chris Carson's in another smash spot, um, but kind of a riskier play. Um, you know, coming off a lot of touches again. Uh, Arizona is just, they faced a league high, 35 touches per game. No matter who they face, uh, the guy just lights them up. I mean, so, I mean, if, if the Seattle's going to play all out, I mean, probably make some more of a tournament play because they, 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 they have to win and don't have to win. I don't know if they care. I just don't know if they really care because they're in, if they, if they care about being the five seed or the six seed. I don't know if teams really, if they're, you know, if objectively look at that stuff, if Pete Carroll really cares, he might, I mean, maybe he wants to go to Dallas instead of Chicago. Um, but I think that that those are both teams that they probably feel that they can confidently beat. You know, they could play a muck it up game with Chicago and hang around for sure. Um, you know, definitely traveling to Chicago is going to be a problem. Um, what do we think about James Conner coming? I back? love, I was hoping one of you guys were going to bring him up. I love James Conner this week. How because, could um, Yeah. Cause no matter what Seattle, the Steelers have shown us, whether it was Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, Conner, or Jalen Samuels, like, Hey man, if you're good to go, like it's your backfield. Like, so is it going to, is he just going to walk right back into an auto smash spot against the Bengals in, a, in like a game where they're ro- like home double digit favorites? Cause, sure uh, Cause then um, he's going to be like right up there. It's like a top five play. Yeah. I don't really see a reason to feel bad about James Conner at all. Like I love him this week. What about you, Evan? I have a strict anti high ankle sprain policy that I cannot, I cannot um, go against that, man. All right. Well, I don't want you to leave your high ankle sprain policy. So yeah. What about what you asked Evan about Gurley? So like, let's just assume Gurley's out because I think me and Evan are both on the side that he's going to be out. Are you chasing that CJ Anderson ghost? No, I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not gonna. I I I said a lot, dude. I was doing my Sunday morning show last week, and I don't think I've ever been mocked by the chat room as much as I was when I said, if Gurley's out, you need to get CJ Anderson in your lineups. Like. I was I was pretty adamant about it. like CJ oh, Anderson's wow. gonna be on this gonna be on the slate winning team if Gurley's out and then you know he I'm, wasn't even available on fantasy. No, I know that's what I mean. Yeah. You got be, had to been playing on fantasy draft or Yahoo and fantasy draft. It was it, it was really speculative over there because there's no late swap. But no, I'm not chasing CJ like CJ Anderson's great when he's minimum price when he's priced over five k on DK. I just don't have a lot of interest. I, I wouldn't even have started him in, in a season long last week. I, I mean, if I you'd not. like, I can, I can work with you on some stuff if you if you really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did want to mention um, the Cowboys Giants game. Uh, so you know the Cowboys keep saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna play our starters." Like, sports picks are not buying this for a second, dude. Well, they like, didn't do it last year either, did they? They said they were going to. It was two years ago. Years they said they were going to, and then they were just like, "Whoopsie daisy!" No, thank you. So right? the Giants. The Giants opened as three-point favorites, you know, so the, the sports books, like, you know, they already had it built in, that expectation. And not only have they lowered the total of the game, but they have moved it to six to seven points in the in the Giants' direction. 
So the more that the Cowboys have come out and said, yes, we're playing our starters, the more the line has moved toward the Giants' side. <laughs> That's not a good hilarious. sign. No, it's not a good sign. Yeah. By the way, I think like if I really might just lock in Saquon this week, because I understand that everybody's talking about, you know, there are a lot of good value running backs, but I still take the upside with Saquon. And if I don't think ownership's going to be lowered just because it's freaking Saquon and everybody plays him, but I just want to be overweight on him no matter what, because the upside of 114 yards for 2000, there'll be the third, he'd be the third rookie running back ever with Dickerson and edge. So, I mean, kind of a big deal. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some wide receivers. And we were talking about paying up for wide receivers and there are a lot of them to pay up for. You got Antonio Brown in a spot where he wants to do well. Michael Thomas, I'm not touching obviously, but Tyreek, Juju, Hopkins, Devontae Adams is a guy that everybody's going to play probably rightfully. So Reeves, who are some of these wide receivers that you're looking at? Um, I talked about the Bills guys a little bit for junk. I know no one ever likes to play those guys. Um, he missed practice today, but I was really eyeballing Kenny Galladay earlier in the week uh, just because, you know, the Packers are awful. They've had the most touchdowns to opposing lead receivers. Uh, obviously, Robbie A hit there last week, and the passing volume is just so high for a guy like him. But he missed practice. you got to stick a pin in that one. Um, but he's a great, like, cross-stack guy. Um, Evan Ingram, you just keep playing. I know he's not a wide receiver, but just keep playing him. I mean, it, was, it doesn't make sense not to. He's had his three highest receiving yardage games of the season the past three weeks at Odell. So just keep playing him. Uh, you'll probably get him against some backups. Um, I don't know. Who else you guys got? Anybody for you, Evan? Yeah, um, just talking about some cheaper guys. Uh it looks like Kendrick Bourne is going to be like the only receiver available on Sunday for the 49ers. Um, so I think that he's at least mildly interesting. He's super, super cheap. Uh, Dante Pettis is already out. Marquise Goodwin not practicing. Um, so it'd be just a cast of like Trent Taylor and, you know, uh, Richie James at receiver for San Francisco. We talked about Jordy and we didn't talk very much about Godwin, but man, Godwin's price has come way down. I know he has not been productive, but this is a great spot for him uh, as a bounce-back candidate, especially if Deshaun does not play. Um, other than that, I mean, I mean, I, we kind of we kind of covered most of the guys, I think, that, that I'd be looking at. Yeah, and you know, the thing with Godwin, like, in my mind, I want to compare him a little bit to um, Cortland Sutton when every, everybody plays him. And, you know, even though maybe the production hasn't necessarily matched it, the difference is Cortland Sutton had never gotten there. Chris Godwin earlier in the year, man, I mean, 16, 17, 17, 20, 24. Chris Godwin gets there when he's got the opportunities. Now, of course, we don't know if Deshaun Jackson's going to play. I doubt that Deshaun Jackson plays. I don't know why he would play. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Chris Godwin had a big win here all right guys that's gonna do it for us this is the last dfs pick six of the regular season but in case you missed it earlier in the show we ain't done you get us for the next two weeks for a little bit of playoff dfs pick six so make sure you tune in next week we don't have the exact time yet i believe it's going to be at nine o'clock eastern so uh it might be a little bit earlier but make sure you tune in check into roto grinders to find out exactly when that's going to be and we can't wait to talk to you once we get some playoffs set i'm pumped guys we got to get out of here though so for evan for Rich, I'm Eric. We'll see you guys later. Peace.